Hi, everyone. Welcome to another After Hours episode of What the Flock. I'm here with Nixie, of course. Hello. Hello. And the other entity with us would be the wine. Would you like to introduce the wine? Well, for this session of What the Flock, (laughs) I got... Freak show. It says freak show on the bottle. I don't know if I should be offended. (laughs) I walked in and she's like, here's your wine. It's (laughs) called freak show. I thought of you when I saw freak show. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) On that note, let's get, let's jump right in, Nixie. Okay. So I feel like we should rename. We're not going to, but I feel like we should rename the after hours episode to free therapy with Nixie. It's my free therapy because I take notes throughout the week on things that I'm processing or things that happen in the cult survivor world or on some of our different survivor pages and just all of the chatter that's going on around the world. So welcome to another episode of Shell's Free Therapy. Thank you for joining in. (laughs) So let's on that note, let's start with a quote of the day. All right. Quote of the day, I swore never to be silent whenever and wherever human beings endure suffering and humiliation. We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. That is a quote by Ellie Weisel. Great quote. I just, I mean, it kind of says everything that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. today. So, silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. And that's why we're talking. And we're not staying silent. And why we're not staying <laughs> silent. I think we stay, I stayed silent for about 12 years. I'm, I think I was the same way. And make yeah. sure you're talking into the Bible. Yeah, okay. Come on, and Nixie. I, I'm here. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like you're further along. And I think when you asked me to do this, I was a little afraid to do it just because I just stuffed that stuff right in there. You know, yeah. I didn't want to deal with it. But I feel like every time we talk and every time like I watch something or listen to something um, <clears throat> that you've done, it it's scary for me because it's, you know, you have to wrap your mind about around someone you used to be. You know? Right. And I'm like, who was that person? How could I have gotten caught up in that? And, right. Um, so I definitely. But you have to keep talking about yeah, it. Yeah. I feel like talking about it. It's like an onion. Yeah. It, it really helps me to see that I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. And I feel like we, you know, we went through what we went through to be able to reach out to other people who've gone through other things and much worse. You know? Correct. So, so that's why I feel like we cannot be silent. Right. Any situation, you know, where people are getting hurt and we have uh, a healing process that can happen for them. Well, when there's injustices. Yes, for sure. Neutrality is choosing a side. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, I like your hat. (laughs) Okay, wait, you got to look right into the camera. Look. We've got. Oh, I got it go. for my birthday. It's a birthday present for but, Nixie. But wait, wait. What? You did not expect this. What? Did not expect this. Oh no. Oh no. I what? missed your birthday because you were gone. So I got you <laughs> organic <laughs> oh, no. wine because she likes everything organic. Oh my so god! I got so I figured for our wine podcast, and it says Soul of Spain. Yes, I love that. Yes, you know I love, I love Spain, her. by yeah. the way. 
I didn't know that. I love Madrid's one of my favorite cities. Well, there you go. Oh, thank you, Nixie. Yeah. Yes, I'm like, you always make me feel special on my birthday. So, oh. I was like, that's a a total surprise thank you (laughs) i'm not used to being surprised shake that off okay so but we're only gonna i'm only gonna have one glass today because i noticed in some of our other after hours episodes Mm -hmm. by the end of the episode (laughs) i was like going hard at people so i thought might not always be helpful so i'm gonna be a little more um Try to be a little more eloquent today and a little less <laughs> aggressive <laughs> with how I feel. Come on, not me. Not okay. you. You can be the aggressive no, one today. I will. Okay. But what we're going to talk about today is not only dig a little bit more into um, how this happened in specifically the ICOC, the International Churches of Christ, which one of their offshoots now is the ICC the International Christian Church, which is an offshoot led by the original maniacal leader, Kip McKean. So what's happening is the ICOC now uses that as almost a smokescreen or a scapegoat. Like, we're not that bad. We're not as bad as the ICC. Here's the things we've changed. You know, a myriad of comments I have gotten. We're not that bad or we've changed. But the tentacles, the roots of arrogance and judgment, and we're right, you're wrong, and refusing to overtly apologize or acknowledge the just many, many, many layers of abuse, that has not happened. Um, To the point of people telling me that things in my own life didn't happen. And it's amazing that they think that type of gaslighting is going to work because, excuse me, I was there. <laughs> I, I lived it. I saw it. I, she saw it. Like, <laughs> are you telling me this didn't happen? I mean, just really um, fascinating almost that they believe so strongly what they believe that they think I'm going to forget or they want to brush all of us off. Um, so I'm going to get into that, but. Something else that's interesting that's been happening, which we'll talk about more in part two of our talk today, is all the different um, platforms and Facebook pages and communities that have been coming together for people. Yeah, Yeah. for people to talk about what happened. Mm -hmm. So what's going on is people are raising their hands and in in a religious form of the Me Too movement are like, Me Too. Like that happened to me too. Mm -hmm. That happened to me too. So we're having all these conversations where a lot of the things that we did forget or disassociate from Mm -hmm. or shove under the rug, now we're all talking, going, oh my God, it was worse than we thought. Well, social media, you know, it it really does help us in in that sense to right. be able to really get it all out there. Right. And and when somebody says that didn't happen, but somebody else is saying, well, that happened to me too. Right. I think that's very validating. You know, because Correct. you walk around, and I think that's why I'm like, I don't, I'm just going to bury this experience and move on with my life um, because. I'm never going to feel validated or I'm, I'm, I'm never going to make sense of this situation. Right. You know, but it was definitely a wound that was just festering, you know? Right. And so um, really looking into it and, and, and all the other cults where things are so similar. Yeah. You know, maybe they're more extreme, but they're so similar. It's the dynamic that it was like, okay, 
this is this there needs to be some serious conversations about this so that we can help people not to get into these situations because they're so hurtful and they're damaging and they um and they hurt relationships right and and it and for some people it it's definitely something they don't overcome correct you know and i'm grateful that i have but even now it's still that little wound every time i talk about this i always feel like that you know little wound in my heart's like why why did I go through that? Why did I allow myself to get in that situation? And it's really important to talk about. Right. Know? Right. Well, and you know, what's interesting, too, is what continues to traumatize people. Mm-hmm. And this is a lot mm-hmm. of the conversation that we're having in these survivor groups. Um, well, let's back up for a second. Remember, there are at least 1.2 million people that have defected from the ICOC. Wow, is it that many? Slash wow. ICC. At least. Mm-hmm. The 1.2 million is what we can put our fingers on, mm-hmm. right? Through their own stats that mm-hmm. they've posted online, mm-hmm. you know, stats we've keep in, um, different conversations that are coming in from different churches. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people that have left different churches in different cities around the world. Right. So they've helped us kind of put this timeline together, if you will, of the carnage mm-hmm. and the shrapnel that has been left behind. And I'm reading it. I'm reading a lot of it and I'm thinking, wow, that is still happening. Like, yes. Have you learned nothing? Apparently you know, not. You know, and people are getting so hurt by so it. So hurt. Traumatized, just traumatized, Trauma- yeah. traumatized. And so when you think about all these people that are trying to process through this and like you said trying to make sense of it Mm -hmm. and trying to learn what they can and kind of cherry pick I guess any sort of um healthy takeaways Mm -hmm. like you and I have done which Mm -hmm. I do believe in that I do believe in cherry picking you know good things that I've had a lot of things that I good things that I've learned about myself about my character you know so I can't say everything was bad but I could definitely say that it was not a healthy way to learn. It was not a healthy way to learn it. And I'm going to, I'm going to damaging. Really. And I'm going to um, interject a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Everything good that we learned, we learned from ourselves. That's true. We learned because we had to survive and mm-hmm. make sense of it. So we had to become a bigger, better, stronger person mm-hmm. to freaking survive. That's true. I didn't learn from them. I learned like a, you know, a a prisoner of war learns Mm -hmm. in the foxhole. Right. Right. Like you, you, you have to dig so deep Mm -hmm. that your character can get stronger. So those are the things I learned. And I think you experienced it more because I think the deeper, because you. Yeah, I was in, I worked for the cult. I was in leadership. Yeah. So So I did a whole different set of circumstances in a sense, because that was it. That was your livelihood. That was your family. It was just like you were all in. Like I had my life outside of the church, very little. You had a secular have, job. I had a secular job. Right. That's the only life that I actually. It's I the only normality you yes, had. Yes. Because otherwise norm. it was like the only normal place that I can go is work. And then after that, it was all like, you know, go share your faith, you know, uh, go to... You had to go to 7-Eleven at midnight to, to meet your quota. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't share with five people. Oh, you know, I have to go, you know, I have to go to Target and, and, and find five people uncomfortably after, you know, whole days of Approach, work. Let's say what sharing is, approaching strangers yes. to invite them to your Bible talk or church. Exactly. Not knowing who they are. You're not sharing your faith. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to get them to 
come to something with you to prove that you shared your faith. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, that I love Jesus. Right, yeah. which means you love Jesus. Yeah, because if I didn't... Then you don't really love Jesus, that's right. you liar. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I was, and I've been called that. Like, right. You don't love Jesus if you're not doing it, you know, and that's those are the, the guilt trips, and I'm yeah. like the perfect candidate for it because I wanted to do good. Of course, and you and I so, both did. Yeah, well, I mean, we're so similar. I know. Way, we know? wanted to save the world. Exactly. That's exactly. why we did what we did. Yeah, so on that note, what you just brought up, Another thing I've been seeing on these survivor pagers is the spectrum of abuse Mm -hmm. directly related and correlating to what position you held in the cult. Mm. Because if you were a leader or even a main leader, um, then if that was the position you were in, you not always, but you normally Mm-hmm. would have more abuse the higher you were up. Yes. Of course, because mm-hmm. you had more responsibilities and it was your job. Right. So if you weren't performing, your job would be threatened. Right. And you were abused in a different fashion. Right. It was like on steroids. Right. But the average member had their own form of abuse because they were at the bottom of the totem pole. Right. So they were treated like garbage half the time. Or... The leaders were treated like rock stars, the main upper echelon. The sharp people. Is the what sharp they, the people. The sharp people to get to be leaders. Right. Yeah. So if you were at the bottom of the totem pole, mm-hmm. you kind of were treated like trash. You get to be the babysitter, quit school. They would encourage them to quit, quit school, school and watch your kids. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, so the spectrum of abuse is different. Mm-hmm. So in hearing everyone's stories, mm-hmm. you can kind of start to see patterns unfolding right. of People that were, let's say, sector leaders mm-hmm. versus region leaders versus just a member of the group, they all kind of experienced similar abuse according to what category they were in. Yeah. Right? I need to be at the higher top where I don't get so beat up. Right? <laughs> but they got beat up in different ways. Right. Right. Yeah. So interesting. So um, another thing, I don't know if you knew this. Again, I'm learning so much. Mm-hmm. In these survivor groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, a, you know, a pretty high up their leadership. I kind of thought I'd heard it all or knew it all. Mm-hmm. Here I am so many years later going, wow, how did I not know that? Well, I'm learning those things from you. I right. Mean, how did we not know? Because at the time, my husband, not my current husband. Your my, church husband. My church husband and I were right beneath you and your church husband. Right. So it's like I always would look to you guys. I'm like, okay. And I saw you guys stress and stuff. But, and I would learn. And even now I'm learning the things that you guys went through. And just to think that it, you know, yeah. it just moves up and up and up. You right. Know? Well, and it was, which we'll get into here in a second, absolutely a pyramid scheme. Oh, for sure. I mean, called a discipleship tree, mm-hmm. but it was a pyramid scheme mm-hmm. at its finest. Right. Right. At its finest. And I, I can't wait to share a couple of things on that. But the other thing I'm learning, or one of the things I'm learning <laughs> in the myriad of things I'm learning is that a lot of the ICOC churches, they're changing their name to fly under the radar. Hmm. Our, our, a name I keep seeing is the Turning Point Ministries. Really? And then in smaller print, it'll say part of the ICOC. Hmm. So you, you have to know, you've either, you either know you've done something wrong or you're trying to avoid the false accusations uh-huh. to change your name. Like, why not own it? Hmm. The ICOC, because there's unless a, they want to move away from that, they you do. Know, you know, but they, they still. Move. But okay, if you're going to uh-huh. move away from that, then why not own it and apologize? Well, yeah, you don't. Why you're moving away? Right, from that. you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. Right. 
Right. Then own it. Acknowledge. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. it yes. Right. Or some groups like the one in Vegas is just flat out change the name to something like Valley Christian. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have ICOC in the title, but it's still mm-hmm. affiliated right. with the ICOC and still has members that will not sit down with me. And I can't, I have, out of these 62 emails I sent to leaders all over the world, really, saying, uh-huh. can you help me understand this? And this was before I started the podcast. This was before I was doing anything. Uh-huh. I was just a, a very damaged, abu- abused woman trying to make sense of my life. Uh-huh. So I'm like, would someone sit down with me with the Bible and tell me why this happened? Right. Like I was right. reaching out. I'll get with you on your turf with your people. You're being vulnerable. Please, right. Uh-huh. Please help me understand. Help me understand why you are supporting my ex doing what he's doing to me. Uh-huh. Can you help me understand? Please have him there too. Uh-huh. I am willing to be persuaded. Uh-huh. I would like to know. Not one person would get with me. Right. So are you, but you're still the people of Jesus? Yeah. You I bet you Jesus would have gotten together I, with you. I bet he would. Well, he would return that email. Right? <laughs> right? So, That's yeah. very Jesus-like. Yeah. Where's the love your enemy as yourself? I know. Right? I wasn't even an enemy. Anyways, <laughs> so they're changing their name. I don't think they really know what's going on at this mm-hmm. point. I think they're just trying to save membership. And I think the leaders are just trying to keep a job. Right. With a lot of women, that's how I feel. They don't want to deal with me mm-hmm. because there's too many question marks there. Right. Right. So they just want to keep their job. So they're all, I hear this a lot. Can we just move on? You just need to be more forgiving. Oh. Well, okay. Tell that to the abused child that finally confronts the parents. Can we just move on? Right. It doesn't work it's like that you're way. you're slashed up. You're like, <laughs> I'm like bleeding. Can I just slap some Band-Aids on that? Can I say No, that? it doesn't work that way. Well, I told you I had a leader, like, email me and apologize and yeah. all this stuff. And, you know, and I was just like, no, it's too late for it's that. It's too late for like that. Like that, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't that I don't forgive her, but I don't feel like she deserves to hear it from me. Like, I'm like, I, oh, I told her, I don't even think about you. Right. You know, like she was so incredibly verbally and emotionally abusive towards me that I was just like, you know what? You live with what you've done because you're still part of the church. Right. You know, and so, you know, you're trying to clear your conscience, you know, go ahead and do it the way, you know, Mm -hmm. the good Lord tells you how to do it. But because I am not going to tell you, like, it just seemed very insincere. You're still part of this organization. You're still doing the same things. You know, I am not. I'm just, you know, just move on. I told yeah. you, just move on. I don't even think about you. Right. So, I mean. Well, and that was the healthiest response for right. you. Right. right. And, and I get that. I don't. I don't think about her. She did hurt me a lot. You know, Because right. I was under her. And when you're in this church, you, you're you under someone. You need to be obedient. You need to be submissive, especially to your leaders. And you feel so cornered. And she always made me feel cornered. She right. She was always nitpicking at me, wouldn't invite me to things. You know, she always made me feel really left out. And I was like. You know, enough. Yeah, yeah. Enough. Like, enough. I don't even think about you. You've been dead to me. So just move on with your life and, you know, move right. along. <laughs> well, and I think um, another thing that's happening that I'm, I'm finding out is that because when we all first left, which was what? 13 years ago for me. I know, I was trying to count. It about was about thir- the same about yeah, the same for me. Too. Around 13 years. This was before when we left and when mm-hmm. most people left, when right. there was a mass exodus from the ICOC cult. Mm-hmm. 
this was before social media was up and running. This is when um, digital media just, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't a thing. Yeah. We weren't all up the way. Right. We weren't living our lives around social media. We were just kind of emailing, but these platforms weren't available to us. So Mm -hmm. the only person that was telling the story or had the dialogue was the church, the cult. Mm -hmm. So they had the ability to basically lead that narrative of why you left. And they would come up front with, remember MTV did something on Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that with the, you know, the the MTV did something on the cult. No, MTV 2020 with Barbara Walters. Right. um, Inside Edition. That's right. The BBC did one. And they always kind of front-loaded us. Right. It was like, hey, don't watch it. You know, it doesn't Well, because it was spiritual pornography. It, It really was. That's what they told us. But what I'm getting at is now... Right. Like all these people that were afraid to talk or didn't have a voice or didn't have a platform Mm -hmm. to tell their stories. Like there was no way for people to hear their story. Right. right? They were labeled as bitter fallaways, Mm -hmm. sinners. Look at how horrible their life is now. Look how horrible their life is now. Their life is falling apart. This is is going to happen to you. Right. So now these people are finding each other. Mm-hmm. And telling their stories, which I prefaced in the beginning with the, oh, my God, me too. Mm-hmm. What? What? Mm-hmm. So the things that are starting to come out of the woodwork mm-hmm. are really terrifying. And I'm not. I'm going to save that for part two because I want to get into the structure of the leadership. Because mm-hmm. what I want to do is kind of lay a foundation of how this cult was able to mobilize so many people. Quickly. Quickly. The, this cult for three years in a row was labeled the fastest growing church in the world. Yeah. Exponentially. Like, was, and they preached that oh hard from the pulpit. Fastest growing church in the world. Right. And we were like, Ooh, oh, we're, like, ah, we're a part of history. <laughs> right. This is the movement of God. Yeah. They would say, right. You're yes. I'm part of it. God's, <laughs> God's modern day movement. Oh, that was sold best. out. Fired yeah. up disciples. <laughs> Ten thousand people, right? Right. So our group got up to one hundred and fifty thousand people, right? Which we now know, out of that one hundred and fifty thousand, at least one point two million have left because it was a revolving door. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like those numbers don't make sense. But if you bring in ten people, right, Mm -hmm. in a month, and only two last, Mm -hmm. you've got you know quite a few people. Leaving. Right. Right. And the people that left, so I can make this clear, they were usually really fresh mm-hmm. out of the waters of baptism. Right. Because they'd kind of get swept up in the emotion of it all, agree to get baptized. And then about a week, two weeks, month in, they'd be like, the oppression. Holy crap. <laughs> what did I get myself into? Right. I can't have a boyfriend. I can't have a girlfriend unless there's, you know, it's in the church. If, right. You know, or what do you mean? I, I'm, st- I have to give 10% of my income every week. I like, have to call my discipler every, night. every day. <laughs> and it just, I think the pressure of it all, so many people would just disappear. Yeah. And we'd be like, where, where'd they go? They go would to just, their house, go to their house and sit knock on their, their door and sit on their porch. Yes. Right. So with that, but what's happening behind the scenes, the underbelly mm-hmm. of it all was the leadership. Mm. And that's how they mobilized so many people was the micromanaging every single, actually not every single day. I'm going to go every single hour. You knew where someone was. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Even how they recruited the leaders, though, like how they recruited the leaders, like if you were overweight, if you were considered unattractive, if you didn't have a great job, you weren't sharp. That was a big deal. Well, of course. You be- could not be a leader. But you know why that was? That was manipulation. It you was to- manipulation, but it's because they knew who they could push. Mm. You can't push a couch potato. Mm-hmm. So if you're not disciplined in your life already, mm. you weren't leadership material, mm-hmm. right? Because you see the character and go, oh, we can't really do a really good job of manipulating that person. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do what we want them to do. Well, most so, leaders came from the college campuses. Right. You know, but it was they were the, already motivated. Yeah, people. it was the driven people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to break this down to the structure of the group. Okay? Um, and if we have time, I thought it would be fun at the end, but knowing me, I probably won't have time. I wanted to give some funny examples of... Um, the discipling. Oh God. So we might we might circle back to that. Okay. <laughs> so the church, I say lightly, the church, the cult, was set up as a pyramid with Kit McKean at the top, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then so this is how it was broken down. Let me get to that page. So you had a person who became a baptized disciple mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, or so they thought. Mm-hmm. Before becoming a disciple, you had to agree that the ICOC was the church of the Bible, the only church the only of the church. Bible. That's a big thing. And we went through these indoctrinational Bible studies <laughs> that were just all what is it called? Uh, first, principles. first principles. And if you want to look up first principles, you can Google it yeah. because Kit McKean is a dumbass and he has it online. So if you want to see what that church believes... Go ahead, look it up. Have have fun with that one. It'll scare you. You know, and what a dummy. Why does he have it on there? He thinks he believes in what he's doing, I guess. You know, yeah. I don't know how. He I, went to the, to, everything fell out, crumbled to pieces. I know. I know. The guy's a lunatic. Anyway, so in the first principles, indoctrinational Bible studies, you, you can look it up. You'll see it. You have to agree that the Church of the Bible is the International Church of Christ, or now renamed the ICC, right? You have to agree that that is God's church on earth. The only one. The only one. So if you're not a part of the ICOC, you are not saved, you are not in God's church, you are not going to heaven, right? Sorry, Calvary. That's what they said. <laughs> Sorry, Mother Teresa. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> all of you. <laughs> Sorry, all the Catholics. That's that's how I felt. Because right, was, you're like, all okay. you're all dead. everybody. Everybody. Even you're, Buddha. Even Mother Teresa. All of them. All of yes. I try to think of a lot of them. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's crazy. I know. All <laughs> yes. Sorry. No, not. Don't even try. Okay. So once you are a baptized disciple, you've agreed that the ICOC is the only church. You have agreed to commit to every single thing on the calendar, which is on average a daily event, mm-hmm. okay, which we'll get into in a second. You've also agreed to give at least 10% of your entire income as a tithe, at least. It's always more. It's usually 20%. And then you have at least two uh, special contributions a year, which is 20 times your tithe, mm-hmm. at least. So if you're giving... A thousand a month. Guess what you're giving? 
$20,000. And if you don't have that, you got a ring that might be $20,000. Oh, you saw your TV. You give your kids this college tuition. I'd go to people's houses that were empty after special contribution because they sold everything. I mean, put it on the credit card. No, sell your wedding rings. And, mm-hmm. and that was celebrated. And they'd come up front and the sister's so sacrificial. <gasps> it was she so, sold her wedding ring. Right. I remember. At oh, the pawn shop. At the pawn shop. <laughs> we all, no, we had a group of people that got up on stage of women uh-huh. bragging about selling all their jewelry. Yeah. I mean, just insane stuff, right? And that was twice a year, Okay. So you, those are the three thing, main things you had to agree to, that you were going to be a disciple, which meant going out and making other disciples, because Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. So you'd go out, make other disciples, had to agree to that, had to agree that you were the only saved church on the planet, and that you would give at least 10%. And I laugh at that now, because it was never freaking never. 10%. Because if That's you get a joke. 10%, Sister, you're you got, giving the Lord the bare minimum. Oh, the crumbs. <laughs> the crumbs. Are you are you comfortable giving just the, the crumbs? crumbs? What is ex, what's uh, expected from you? Right, the ten percent. Ten percent. Here's why you're not blessed. Yes, you're only giving ten percent. Awful husbands. Damn it. Right, you're not giving <laughs> enough. If you don't give enough, you get a real awful husband. Oh. It's I guess God's punishment. <laughs> I should have gave fifty percent. <laughs> I know, right? Like, dang it, darn it. So anyway, so those are kind of the main tenants that you are aware of going in. There's more, but wait, mm-hmm. there's more. It's like an infomercial. Exactly. But, but going in, that's what you think you're signing up for. Okay, so that's you becoming a disciple. From that, the next rung of leadership is a Bible talk leader. So you are a Bible talk leader leading a group of about five to 10 people. The level after that is a zone leader which oversees several Bible, Bible talks, talks yeah. okay? The level above that is a sector leader that leads a city usually full of these zones. So you see where I'm going? Like everything is like pyramid, 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 mm-hmm. right? In your MLM scheme. And it was tight. It was like they kept us tight. Oh, yeah. And then above the region leaders are the geographic region leaders, right? Who led a, a little geographic area above the geographic leaders are the world sector leaders and whenever they flew into town roll out the red carpet you know flowers cards gifts (laughs) expensive dinners all the best right and then above the world sector leaders was kip (laughs) (laughs) the prophet the prophet the prophet kip right so in these groups there were always leaders meetings to be had no matter what level you were at it was always a leaders meeting mm-hmm. right and sundays all i did sundays was all different don't types make of, plans on sundays oh god all different types of of leaders meetings okay so for the average disciple of the icoc not disciple of jesus but they we were a disciple of the icoc mm-hmm. very clearly you had your schedule packed so i started writing down Nixie, everything that we did. I don't know how we did it all. You, I watched oh, you. Oh, it's just. I mean, if you work for the church, you. Frenetic. Yeah, it's 24-7. 24-7. So we had people we discipled. And don't forget, every good cult 
has cult lingo. Yeah. <laughs> I think ours was the our best. Our vocabulary. Our vocabulary, cult lingo. Shell was my discipler. But we would put a D in front of a lot of things. Uh, D, D time, time. D talk, <laughs> D meeting, D whatever, D, D, D. Everything had a D in front of it for discipleship. So you had D times, discipleship times, with everyone underneath of you, but also the person over you. Mm. So you always had to have these meetings where you would be <laughs> counseled, not counseled, hammered. scolded, <laughs> hammered, dis- discipled, which was supposedly spiritual advice. It was not. And where you had to seek advice, we called it. So you had to get advice on very small things up to large things, Mm -hmm. okay? I had to get advice as a leader on when I could do my laundry because that was very selfish of me Mm -hmm. when there were people to be saved. Like, Shell. I know. You cannot just save your clothes. You have to just save save the people. people. You can't save your t-shirts. Dirty chonies, you know, come on. (laughs) I know. So you'd be discipled on all sorts of things, but up to big things as well. You'd have to be discipled on what kind of lingerie you're supposed to buy for your husband on the honeymoon. How many times you should have sex. Oh, that's Nixie's. Nixie had a prescription, as she has shared before, on how many times to have sex with her church husband. Written prescription. That was going to fix my marriage. That was going to fix it. I'm supposed to, you know, keep putting out to someone I couldn't even stand looking at. Right. You know, and that's going to fix that. That's going to fix it. you need to be submissive, sister. Oh, we we got discipled on... (laughs) Everything. I got discipled on uh, going pee too much in church. Like one time I went to the restroom twice in two hours because I, I just drink a ton of water. <laughs> and I'm like drinking water in the service because I'm like, I'm like having a panic attack. I got to get out of here. So I was guzzling water. So my discipler meets me outside of the restroom, uh-huh. arms crossed. What do you think you're doing? Shelly, what do you think you're doing? I'm like, peeing (laughs) and she's like i just feel like there's some sin here because every time you know so and so bruce or whoever pulls up a scripture you go to the restroom Mm -hmm. is it a scripture that's making you uncomfortable oh when i'm when i was in the nursing little when we're nursing my kid and there was moms in there i had to be really careful to still pay attention while i'm nursing because there're like these little snitches in there <laughs> that would tell me that i wasn't paying attention i was too paying attention too much too to, much to like, the baby to the baby but this is good examples of the type of mental emotional spiritual abuse we went through you couldn't go to the restroom without thinking twice about how's this going to look mm. you couldn't nurse your baby Without looking up to listen to the scriptures, like Mm -hmm. every single thing was micromanaged, watched, and it was mentally torturous, Mm -hmm. right? So every single thing was, was watched, but somehow they would turn that into a sin and have a scripture to back it up. I know. Like like, it was magical. Like, how is there a sin for, I mean, a scripture for for this? Wow. Right. <laughs> and because you were so exhausted, it's like you didn't even have time to like process what was happening to you. And you know what's sad is that there's so many people that may not be in the situation we were in, yeah. maybe much worse. But I think people's hearts is like, I I want to just find peace in life. I want to find peace and harmony in the world. And I think a lot of people will join these things to do good. Right. But it's, it affects them so bad. Like, I, right. I feel like... I wanted to make an impact in this world. 
You know, I wanted to help people. Of course. You know, and I feel that makes us the most vulnerable. And I, I mean, and that's why I'm willing to come on this podcast because I read so many sad situations that are much worse than ours. And I want people to know that it's not right. You you should be able to live your life. It's not selfish. Right. You know, and it's and it's so sad. You that mean it's not sinful it's to not live sinful your life? To live your life and like love your kids <laughs> Shocker. and spend time with them and yeah. you know, love your friends and spend time with them and help them in different ways and you shouldn't be walking around feeling guilty about everything you're not doing. Right. You know, and not be able to celebrate the things that you you have done. Right. You know, for yeah. other people. You know, yeah, I know. And, and it's it's really it's really, really sad. We laugh about it because it's so Because you far. have to. Because you have to because you have other, to. And, and I read these posts from other people and I feel like they're so wounded that I want them to know it's like you can it's like sometimes we just have to laugh about how ridiculous um that you know, the things that were asked of us are so ridiculous. And just understand that we just we, we did it because we wanted to do right. Right. And and we, then we learned. Right. That that's not what it takes to do right. Right. We know, woke up. To, we, yeah, we woke. You know, we were woke. We, we woke. <laughs> we're spiritually woke. We got spiritually woke. <laughs> okay. So let me dig into the actual leaders meetings now. Okay. The leaders meetings and how they were, again, were able to mobilize so many people and how they were able to keep people like you and I mm-hmm. in the fold mm-hmm. and in line was this incredible momentum that was built. So you did have really amazing people in this church, mm-hmm. right? Really dynamic, successful. We had some professional athletes, mm-hmm. professional actors, PhDs, doctors, what scientists. People consider, what people would consider like successful, successful. and That's sharp. Not, yeah. And that I, you would yeah. look at them or look at their marriages, uh-huh. which now we know weren't even the case, but uh-huh. what they presented on stage was these very dynamic, happy, successful people. So you wanted to emulate that. You and know? good looking people. And good I mean, looking. Let's, let's not, yeah. you know, I mean, it was dynamic. Very, very shallow. Right. Like, you know, right. you had to be an attractive person to be on stage. You could not be overweight. You can, and it's really, really like shallow. Right. Of course. Now looking uh-huh. back, yeah. but at the time, yeah. Right. Like, and we were yeah. younger then too. Right. So we just, there was a, a maturity that we hadn't. Well, yeah. And then to be told, like, it, it made sense, you know, even in myself, it's like, oh, sister, you know, you're gaining weight, you know, you're being indulgent, you, you're being, you're debaucherous, you have, you're being debaucherous, you don't have self-control. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so, like, it changed my perspective on people. And, you know, and I and I saw people, I feel so ashamed that I saw people that way. It's like, oh, that person is not disciplined. Because I saw that in myself. I was told that, like, you're not right. disciplined. You need to go work out. You, you know, you've gained five pounds. You know, that but it was called a sin. It was called a sin. Sinful. You're in sin because you're, in you're, sin. you're undisciplined. You can't you're, control you're, yourself. You can't control yourself. Right. So, but when you look back on again, mm-hmm. how did they keep us in? How did they do it? So much of that is because of the framework of the mm-hmm. leadership. Right. Because we were so mobilized. Right. And if we're in this discipleship tree, which I mean pyramid, everybody's being watched, everybody's being held accountable, and everybody always knows where the other person is. Exactly. Right? So in our leaders' meetings, to kind of um, show you a little bit of the underbelly of what was happening in all these leader meetings we had, but mind you, not only did we have leaders' meetings, 
we had our, which we started talking about, our D times, our Uh discipleship times with the people above us and below us. Then we had Bible talk leaders meetings, zone leaders meetings, (laughs) sector leader meetings, right? A regional meeting. Uh On top of that, we had everybody that we were doing Bible studies with that we are trying to convert, right? And that could be 10 a week. Uh I I was on average in 10 Bible studies a week on top of the 10 people I was discipling. On top of all my leaders' meetings, right, right. On top of the dinners we were supposed to have with people, the Wednesday service, the Sunday service, the Friday night prayers, all of the social times, and then out sharing our faith to hit our quotas, right. And then trying to raise children and like clean your house, do laundry, whatever. Regular life, so. regular life, which was really not allowed. Uh-huh. And so we had so much going on with all of this that they had to keep us mobilized, uh-huh. right? They had to keep us moving like like momentum, like forward motion momentum. So in our leaders meetings, everything was a stat sheet. So the short answer of how they did this was um, numbers, 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 numbers. Stat sheets. Mm-hmm. How like, many did you share with? Well, and I'll, I'll get you? into all that. So because of what we prefaced earlier about, you know, quotas and stats and bringing people to church, everything was um, categorized. Everything had a line item and everything was charted on a stat sheet. So wait, and how are we doing on time? Because I want to get to this last part. Okay, so Do you have mine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna finish out on this structure and then we'll pick it up in, in part two because this is too important. Okay, so in the leaders' meetings, we would have to chart the attendance. That was the first thing we did. So if you didn't have any or not a lot of visitors with you, people that you were to gather from your sharing times, that was charted as good, great, or awesome. Excuse me, bad, good, great, <laughs> are awesome, right? You had to stand up in the meetings and share how many people you had, right? To either applause or, ooh, ooh. right? She's in sin. She's going straight to hell. She, ooh, what is she, ooh, she was in sin all week. And so everything was, again, rated. That's probably a better word, was rated. So not only was our attendance rated and either ooed or awed, <laughs> or booed or glorified. <laughs> also, our baptisms, because you had to predict the baptisms. Oh, that's right. So if you were to, if you said my group of two hundred people is going to have ten baptisms this week, you'd predict them the week before, right? So that the leaders could hold you accountable. I know this is so sick, but it it's what we did. You'd have to predict them. If you didn't hit your baptism goal, another reason to be abused. Like, oh, well, what happened, sister? And were you were you sandbagging? Were you lying about your predictions? And baptism is where people are saved. So we didn't save people. Correct. So, so that's really bad because we didn't save anybody. Right. Else. So if you didn't baptize them, they're still going to hell. Yeah. Which is also your fault. Yes. So you'd be asked in front of everyone, well, how does that make you feel that you didn't save that person and they're still going to hell, right? So you weren't even responsible, only responsible for your own life. You're responsible for everyone around you, right? And, And their choices. So that was charted, right? So the predictions, the baptisms, 
the um, tithing, of course, if you don't hit your budget, that's another thing you get lambasted for to the point of having to go collect the tithe from your members mm-hmm. on their porch. And if you can't do that, you're expected to put it in yourself. Oh, yeah. I've right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you just don't want to hear it. You don't want to get in trouble. And a lot of times I think I'd even lie and go, oh, yeah, everyone put their money in and I had put it in. Yeah. I just, I can't, I'm like, I can't get beat up for one more thing. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Yes. Right. So those things were all charted every single week. The last thing that we charted, well, one of the last things that I'll talk about time-wise, all I'm going to have to talk about is the followaways. So we had a weak and struggling list. Okay. And the weak and struggling list were people that were questioning their faith. Uh, now what we know is that these were the people that were waking up. And, and like recovering. Recovering. From, from and regaining. Yeah. So the people that <laughs> were, were starting. Sane, were right. leaving. The people that were starting to regain their self-preservation skills. Yeah. Right. And wake up. Were put on a weak and struggling list that was rated from one to four. So if you're a one, you've just entered the weak and struggling category. If you're a two, ooh, better really keep an eye on that, sister. If you're a three, you're like triage, people on your porch, (laughs) people coming to your place of business, you know, where you work, calling you all the time. We need to get together. Let's do an all night prayer. Let's whatever they think Uh they're going to do to save you. Right. Basically stalking you. If you're a four, you're almost a lost cause. And if you're a four, you had to be in an in or out talk mm. where you're in or out because you're making the members struggle by them seeing you not being a committed disciple. So they would be considered kind of a cancer. So you got to cut the cancer out and watch people be free or go into chemotherapy, <laughs> right? And radiation yeah. to be saved. And so you either cut it out or you, you jump back in, right? And again, this was all as the leader on your shoulders. So if they fell away, they fell away because you are a horrible leader and they have now lost their salvation and they are listed as a follower. Their blood is on your hands, your head, and now they are followaways. So when the follower first leaves, we try to save them, right? To save face. Mm -hmm. But once the followaways made it real clear that we're not coming back, then they're vilified. So we try to save them for about two weeks, Yeah, go back and get them and have a big victory story about so-and-so repented and they're back oh, on the stage. Yeah. But if they don't, then you flip over into vilify mode, right? Here's why, here's what they did. They're big fat sinners. They hate Jesus or whatever, you know, whatever they were vilified for. And that was the process. Again, micromanaged, charted stat sheets, everything was numbers, 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 numbers. And that's how this church functioned. That's how for so long it retained members. Once that all started to fall apart and come out, that's when the mass exodus started to happen. And that's when kind of the reframing, regrouping, um, when Kip basically started a new offshoot because he was no longer allowed to lead and lead this way. So he said, oh, I'm going to start a much worse group, (laughs) a much worse (laughs) cult, and I'm going to call the ICOC or ICC. So he went from the ICOC founder to founding the ICC. And the most kind of fascinating, ironic thing now is now the ICOC and the ICC 
kind of fight. Are there, you know, I'm not as bad as you. Well, you guys aren't really saved. Well, we want to do this. Well, we want to do that. And it's like, I call it God Wars. (laughs) It's like cult versus cult, right? (laughs) Which is, again, kind of fascinating to watch. But so that's kind of how all that happened was enough people rose up to say, we're not doing this anymore. So then Kip started his own new group, which I think really is worse than the original ICOC. Yeah, I think that the original ICOC, there's things that they wanted to change, but there's definitely things like before it was very direct, like you're not part of our church. You're you're not going to heaven. Right. I think now they kind of like they skirt around that, around that. But I think they still believe it. Of course. There's our time. That's Uh, the timer. That's the timer. That's the timer. So we'll we'll pick it up in the next one, and I'm going to, you know, read the quote. But the last thing I wanted to say was, unfortunately, a lot of the ICOC, dare I say most of the things they've attempted to change are superficial and external. Mm-hmm. Because I still have, you know, my kids' father is in the group, and he still thinks I'm steeped in deep darkness because I left the group. And has said some really horrible things to me and about me that are just very Jesus-like. That's not very, I was just going to say, that's not, not very, very nice. Jesus-like. Not very nice. Love your enemies. <laughs> not very nice. <laughs> so anyway, so um, what's happened, though, is it's left kind of this murky, confusing, like, what do they even believe anymore? Uh-huh. And they're hedging their bets and skirting the issues, mm-hmm. and they don't really come out with it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're going to believe it, like, have the balls to say it. I think there's a lot of fear there, you know, because they're, now, Fear they're going to lose their jobs, yeah, the ones that yeah. work for the... Yeah. Members, jobs, you lose members. Members, jobs, i.e. your livelihood. Like, yeah. okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. But what it's doing to the, the trauma survivors, right, the people that are trying to recover is it's negating everything they went through. Right. It's saying that didn't happen or that world isn't really that bad or you just need to forgive us. Like, why can't someone just stand on the stage and go, here's what we believe. Here's where we messed up. Mm-hmm. We are sorry. I don't think they can say, I don't believe that this, I think it's, it's yeah. that we're the only church. And yeah. I think that that's one of the biggest beliefs. It's probably the most damaging right. because everybody's out. Everybody yeah. else is out. Right. You know, and it's a scary thing when you leave. It's a scary thing because you're like, wow, I left because you're still programming your brain. But you but, you know, you know, your right. logic is saying leave. This. this is not healthy. And you go into survival mode. And um, but in back of your head, it stays with you. It, of course it does. I don't feel like that anymore, but it took a long It took time. a long time. I called it invisible prison bars. Yeah. It was like my mind was still incarcerated. Yeah. And I had to retrain my neural pathways that that wasn't true. Right. right. That I'm OK. You believe the same thing over 10 years. It's for yeah. sure. And you make it a habit and you're committed to it. To yeah. that belief system, right? It's going to take a while, but it can happen. It can. Oh, it is more than happened yeah. <laughs> with us. It can, with us, it happens. Yeah. But I want other people to know that it can happen. You can yeah. deprogram that, from right? Your, and be a happy person that lives a full life. Well, not only that. Let's take it a step farther, and then I'll close out with our quote. You can get to the point of where it's a cocoon of transformation mm-hmm. and not a coffin, right? Because when I first left, it was a coffin for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. But it became a cocoon Mm -hmm. where I literally became a different person. 
It was a metamorphosis. Because we weren't just recovering from being committed to the church. It was everything. Well, we went through divorces together. Friendships. I mean, yeah. yeah, you had to leave everything that was your life for over 10 years. Correct. So it was the biggest divorce have you ever been through. It was the divorce of everything you believed in. Yes. So, yeah. So it's definitely, it's doable. It, it, it takes time, but, and, and, you know, reading the, reading all these little posts and, and things. And I'm just like, you can do this. Yeah. It just takes time. And, and you come out, I feel like uh, a person that understands life a lot more. Like, I feel like there's so many things out there that will hurt you. And then we, we, we need to be aware of that and we need to do what we're doing now and help right. other people know that you can overcome this. Right. And you can, and you're not the only one who's been through this. Right. You know, and you're not right. the only one being manipulated by that person, whatever, you know, codependent really, mm-hmm. you know, situation you have, you can, you can come out of it. You can and, come out of healthy. it. And you can come out of it. I think better than before. Exactly. I think because it, you experienced something yeah. that was pretty intense. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. You live a, a life of awareness. Definitely. Correct. Yes, which always leads back to the, you know, bitter or better. Mm. You can be better. Right. All right. On that note, here we go. Closing out with the, the quote of the day. I swore never to be silent whenever and wherever human beings endure suffering and humiliation. We must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor. Never the tormented. And again, that is a quote by Ellie Weisel. All right, so that wraps up part one, but stay tuned because we're coming right back for part two of What the Flock? Flock. Hey. <laughs>